Ramble. I don't really like doing chores around the house. I'm going to be honest with you. And I especially used to hate doing laundry. It was just one of my more tedious tasks. It takes so much time and I often feel tempted to not even bother sorting out my clothes. But I've been trying to motivate myself to get a lot more organized and I finally found a way to make doing my chores so much more interesting, so much more engaging. And that's by listening to audiobooks on Audible. You guys know me, there is nothing like playing a good psychological thriller. So obviously that's what I've been listening to. I'm currently listening to The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. The main character, Millie, is out on parole and she's desperate for her job. She doesn't have any money. She's living out of her car and she gets this opportunity to be this rich family's housemaid. Millie agrees, even though there's just something really strange about the Winchesters, especially the wife, Nina. She just seems to love finding ways to make Millie's life very difficult The family is hiding something and Millie is hiding something and there's just so much tension between Millie and the husband. It's one of those stories that you can't stop listening to and I can't wait to finish it and start the next audiobook in this series. But if Thriller is not your thing, don't worry. Audible lets you pick from thousands of titles to find the perfect soundtrack to your day. You can find audiobooks from any genre, fiction, nonfiction, wellness, self-help. But they also have podcasts like this one, guided wellness programs, comedy, and originals. Living life without using Audible is like eating food with no seasoning. Sure, you still get your nutrients in, but it's missing that extra flavor, you know? So if you want to spice up your day, I highly recommend Audible. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. New members can try Audible audible now free for 30 days visit audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 that's audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 to try audible free for 30 days hello everyone welcome back to episode two of baking a mystery if you don't know this voice because you're used to me screaming my head off in my youtube videos this my fucking podcast voice be it's what's poppin <laughs> okay, so you guys really liked Baking a Mystery, the first episode where I talked about a book called Silent Patient, and I baked, I baked cloud bread, <laughs> and I called it Baking a Mystery. I thought I was so cute with the name, and you guys were like, "Do more!" And so I'm gonna try to do these every single week. And you guys actually left a really good idea because some of you guys were like, "Listen, I don't give a small, medium, large, fuck. I don't give any fucks about all of your baking. Like I've seen your cooking videos, I've seen enough to know that it's not worth looking at." And so I was like, "Oh wow!" And they were like, "Stop using my." data give me the audio version so if you guys don't know i have a podcast where i do lots of true crime shit on apple Podcasts and spotify called rotten mango so i talk about all the dark cases that i can't talk about on my main channel over there i'm gonna be posting these as a mini sode every single friday and the true crime episodes go up wednesday so this has been requested i don't know if you guys are gonna like it as an audio version i don't know but i'm gonna post the visuals onto youtube so that's why i've got three mics going on i started to read lock every door and then i didn't think that i was gonna do a video on this one because I don't know there's just something about this that just feels off the entire time you almost feel like there's no plot meanwhile the plot is unfolding and you just don't even know it like you don't even pick up on these small details and everything points to the fact that there's this massive thing happening inside of this book but you're just like okay like this is just kind of creepy like an ambiance thing but it gets so freaking wild so we're gonna be talking about this spoiler alert if you want to read this don't watch this video and we're gonna be making some strawberry phonuts which is a donut but a phonut, a fake donut. So if you hear clinking and clacking, it's the fake donuts. Let's get started. So this book was interesting. My fiance tried to read a couple chapters with me, like he was reading to me <laughs> while I was laying in bed. And what did you think of it? It's pretty good. First so, chapter, yes. I'm hooked. 
Yeah, so the first chapter is weird. So there's two timelines going on in this book, and I feel like I'm gonna probably tell it the way that the book tells it, minus some major changes, just to make it less complex. This book starts with a woman by the name of Jules, and she's in a hospital. And at this point, you don't even know that her fucking name is Jules. And she wakes up from the hospital, and she's like, where am I at? Where am I at? Like, what's going on? And everyone's like, do you remember? You were in a massive car accident. She's like, a car accident? And then they were like, yes, you got hit by a car in front of the Bartholomew in New York City. Like, this is insane. I can't believe this car hit you. And she's like, what did you just say? The Bartholomew? You were hit by a car in front of the Bartholomew? And she starts screaming while she's bandaged up IV in her veins. Don't make me go back to the Bartholomew. Don't make me go back there. Which is so intriguing because you're talking about like a full-grown adult and you just don't really hear stuff like that. You hear about people being scared of other people. You hear about people being scared of groups of people. But you never really hear about people being scared of a place. Of a place that sounds as fancy as as the Bartholomew. So in order for all of this to make sense, I feel like we have to get to know our main character. So our main character in today's story is a 25 year old girl by the name of Jules. She has probably one of the most sad lives I've ever read. <laughs> so she's 25 years old. She's living in New York City and she moved here because she's trying to make it big. She's trying to become like this just New York gossip girl vibes. You know, she's thinking about all of that. She's like, I'm gonna find me a man's in New York City. I'm gonna find me a job and I'm gonna be that woman who can do it all in New York City. A lot of it has this emotional attachment because her sister her name's Jane. So you have Jules, the main character, and her sister by the name of Jane. Now, Jane was obsessed with moving to New York City. Their entire family, they lived in this really small coal mining town in Pennsylvania. I mean, it was as small town as small town gets. And so her sister Jane was always reading this novel called Heart of a Dreamer. And it was written by this woman by the name of Greta. And in this book, I mean, really, it just feels kind of gossip girly to me. So you have this girl by the name of Jenny. She's just living an average life like Jenny. Jenny from Gossip Girl. And all of a sudden, she gets letters from her grandma who happens to be so freaking rich and happens to own a multi-million dollar apartment overlooking Central Park at the Bartholomew. And she's like, come live with me. I want to get to know you, right? And then she's like, holy shit. And so she goes there and she's going to these crazy parties, just, you know, dancing with all of these new rich suitors that are all like, marry me, Jenny. I'm Harry. <laughs> gotta freaking stop. Back to the mystery. She's living there and she's just getting used to this life and it's like this really beautiful romance novel. Not a bad thing in sight in the book. I mean it's truly like Gossip Girl vibes. Just the upper elite of the Upper West Side. So her sister Jane was obsessed with this book. They read it non-stop together and then when Jules was 17 something very sad happened. Her sister Jane disappeared. I mean she went missing. It's very confusing because even in the book you get the sense that you don't really know the full story. You feel like Jules, the narrator, almost doesn't want to tell you the full story. I mean, it's very odd. So her sister was working as a pharmacy cashier and one day when she got off of work, the pharmacy owner said, you know, she saw this black beetle that was parked outside a car and Jane went up to it and just waved and got in and then was never seen again. So it seems like whoever her kidnapper was, whether she chose to run away or whether she knew the kidnapper and they ended up abducting her, nobody really knows. They go to the police and the police are like, well, it sounds like she's a runaway. She's 17, she went into a car, she knew the person. Sounds like she's got a new boo thing or something. She just never got over it because can you imagine like your sister just like leaves? Now, two years later, because of all of the heartache from this, she was living, like I said, in a small town, not doing so great. Her parents were not making a bunch of 
Shimare. Her dad was working at an Ace hardware store and her mom was working and her mom ended up getting cancer. Now, after she got sick, she just couldn't work anymore. So the dad got like two jobs. He took on extra shifts at Ace Hardware's. And then one day Ace Hardware closed down, which means all of those cancer treatments, all of that was being paid by the health insurance. They couldn't afford it anymore. And they just didn't know what to do. I mean, this coupled with the heartache of one of their kids going missing, it was just really bad. So it seemed like her mom, Jules's mom, didn't have a lot of time to live. Like the doctors were not optimistic. And she came home one day when she was 19 years old and her entire house was set ablaze and her parents were both inside. Now she's heartbroken. She's like, what could have happened? We're gonna sue, we're gonna sue the gas company. We're gonna sue this landlord for giving us such a dangerous home to live in. Like the gas must have exploded, etc., etc." And the only thing that was not burnt from this was the Toyota Camry parked outside. And when she entered into the Toyota Camry, she realized none of this was an accident. There was three sets of keys, one for the Toyota Camry and two for storage boxes. So she goes to these storage areas and one of them has all of her belongings in there. None of her belongings were burnt. And then the next one has all of Jane, her missing sister's belongings. So it seems like her parents didn't want to burden her with more stress and they ended up taking their lives together. And autopsies were done. Um, They both had overdosed after they had set the fire on painkillers that were prescribed to the mom. So obviously Jules is not really, she got dealt some shitty cards. By the way, this is all fiction, okay? So she's like, fuck it. After college, I'm moving to New York City. She goes to New York City. She gets a job and she's working at this hedge fund and she's what they call a copy assistant, which is not really a regular assistant, but just like the one that lives at the copy machine and she just copies And she's like, but you know what? Here's the upside. I've got a job and it's going to be okay. Now that's when she meets the janitor, the cute janitor who's also in school part-time. And she's like, what's up, janitor? And she starts hanging out with him. His name's Andrew. I don't trust Andrew. And so they start dating, okay? And they're obsessed with each other. They date for about a year. And then all of a sudden, she gets laid off from her job. Devastating. They're saying they're letting 10% of the company go. She was part of that 10%. She packs up her shit. She goes back to the apartment that she shares with Andrew. And guess what? To make things worse, she opens that door and she finds him just whopping another girl. Whop, bits. So she got cheated on. It was really bad. Yeah. Goddamn. That's Jules, okay? And so she's like, well, shit, I'm not even on this lease. I don't know what to do. I have nowhere to go. I'm going to go stay with a good friend of mine in Jersey City. Her name's Chloe. So she's been crashing on Chloe's couch for like months now. She's got no money. She's been trying to get a job, but the job market has been rough and it just has not been looking good. So she's like, what do I do? She's, you know, going to these interviews, going there. And then all of a sudden she sees a Craigslist ad. This is oil. Oof. She sees this ad and it says, we're looking for an apartment sitter. Please contact this number. You will get paid to live at this apartment for three months. I mean, that sounds too good to be true. Like you could have a job. You could go back to this apartment. It's like kind of like you're staying at a hotel for free, but you're also getting paid to do it. I mean, it sounds like amazing. And so she automatically calls the number and it's a woman by the name of Leslie. Now, Leslie is like perfect because we value secrecy. We want to make sure that you are a right candidate. Please meet me at this address. So she packs up her things. She gets all cute. She grabs her purse, she leaves Chloe's house and she's like, Babbitt, and she goes to the interview. Now the interview is very odd. So Leslie leads her to the place where she will be apartment sitting and it is one of the most infamous buildings in New York City. This is fictional by the way, or is it? I don't know, I don't think it exists, but there could be variations of this building that do exist because of how creepy it is. It's called Bartholomew, the Bartholomew after St. Bart's. And this building has been around since the 1900s, super creepy. They've got like these massive gargoyles all over 
right? Like the insides, the outsides, they're just all guarded by like those angry looking lions right outside nobody's really goes in there I mean it's a small building it's not necessarily a skyscraper so it's 13 stories which in New York City for such an expensive building seems to be a little bit on the shorter side but it makes up for it in rich history because rich people are interesting they're like I want to make it new but keep it old but make it new but keep it old I'll pay three times the price so that's exactly what they did to the Bartholomew they renovated it and she's like are you shitting me the Bartholomew like you want me to live in what like a multi multi $5 million apartment and you're gonna pay me a thousand dollars a week twelve thousand dollars that is yeah because she's gonna stay there for three months if she got the job and she's like that's a total of twelve thousand dollars are you kidding me who wouldn't want this job this is amazing and so she goes and she's like nice to meet you leslie leslie of course is this very updone woman she's got this beautiful blonde hair wears a chanel suit every single day just a different color that type of bits you know she lives there that's the owner she is the residential manager she does live there but she manages the entire building and so she's like welcome to the bartholomew she meets that was a lot of vinegar <laughs> there's a lot of vinegar <laughs> and this is the exact building that was in the heart of a dreamer so she's like okay maybe you know everyone had suspected that her sister had passed because she'd been missing for so long she was thinking you know maybe this is a sign like maybe this is my new life because she had to spend most of her money saving up to bury her parents she was 20 and funerals are not cheap so she really only had about $500 to her name and no job no apartment like literally nothing and so she's like this could be a sign so she goes in she meets the doorman, Charlie. I gotta be careful now. You keep dripping everywhere. <laughs> I was gonna add a little more to make up for the vinegar, you know? Does it work like that? In my head it does. They go into the Bartholomew. Now the Bartholomew is only 13 stories tall and the 12th floor is very interesting and that's the exact unit that she will be sitting which is 12A. So there's only two units on the 12th floor and both of them are two stories tall. So the entire building itself is 13 stories but because there's only 12 floors because you know units on number 12 are two stories tall. You get it. Let me just... She's gonna be apartment sitting unit 12A. Now, this is very interesting because 12A, this is such an old building. Did you know back in the day that the servants' quarters were usually on the top floor? So nowadays, the higher you go, the more expensive the rent becomes because you get a better view. But that's because we have elevators. But back in the day, there was no such thing as elevators. So imagine every day you have to bring all of your groceries and every day you come back from work, you gotta walk up 12 flights of stairs. Uh-uh, that's gonna be the cheap rent. So back in the day, the richer you were, the closer you were to the ground you were more down to earth not anymore so she was like oh this is exciting you know the kitchen's extra big because again it was the servants quarters they had to cook a lot she's just watching this she's looking at the view there's central park there's a gargoyle right outside that she could see through the window she names that shit george i mean she's already just living that life and leslie's asking her like what do you think of the apartment do you like it and it was so interesting because leslie's almost asking her as if she would say no like who would not like an apartment like this now the one thing that i found very creepy about this apartment is that there's a dumb waiter and I had no idea what this was but it's apparently like this box that travels between floors and it has like this rope system it's almost like a mini elevator but you use it like a waiter like you put food in there or you deliver other things in there like snacks and it was only connected between unit 12a and 11a which again is a little bit odd but with old buildings there's always something odd about it so she notices that and she's like you know I kind of like it like the history like I'm glad that they kept the thick history of all of this and so Leslie's like okay what do you think and suddenly she has this moment of like okay this must be a lie like this is obviously too good to be true Leslie in this Chanel suit thinks that I'm trying to pay to live here and she's like oh, it's yeah. 
I think we have a misunderstanding. And Leslie's like, nope, it's $1,000 a week for you to apartment sit for three months. And she's like, that, I mean, that seems too good to be true. Like, why would you guys do something like that? And so Leslie says, okay, well, as the manager of the Bartholomew, I can tell you the Bartholomew, being an old building and being one of such secrecy, we really value privacy. Now, we have a couple strange rules. The first rule being that no apartment is allowed to sit vacant on the market. And the owner of this apartment unit, 12A, has passed away and her kids are fighting over who's going to get the apartment. And that's going to take like, I don't know, three, four months, maybe longer, depending on legal proceedings. And so we wanted to make sure that someone would be here. A lot of it has to do with, you know, we don't have a lot of units and everyone has homes all over the place. You know, Malibu, Paris, London must be exhausting. So we just want to make the Bartholomew look lively. So we're never targeted for any crimes. And she's like, I mean, that's insane. And she's like, yes, but there are going to be rules. So if you do stay here and you do get paid a thousand dollars a week, you can have absolutely no visitors, no boyfriend, no parents, nobody. And she's like, okay, I mean, that's okay. And then she's like, and on top of that, there are a couple other things. No smoking, no drinking, no posting the Bartholomew on social media because of how highly coveted, it's like a secret club in New York. I know there is one. I think it's called like Soho Club, which is super hard to get into in New York. I mean, I don't think it's secret. Everyone knows it exists, but it's like super pricey. You need a referral to get in, like kind of like a country club. And because the Bartholomew is like that, we don't want you posting on social media because of course all your friends are going to be like, oh, I'm going to get mimosas at the Bartholomew and we don't want that happening. And the other thing is don't talk to the residents unless you're spoken to. Now this one kind of feels like a slap in the face, but Jules is like, you know, I get it. Like I'm getting paid to work here. Technically, it's almost like you're getting paid to be the doorman or the lobbyist. Of course, you don't want to be like, oh my gosh, Oprah Winfrey, like how was your trip to Italy? Tell me more. What about your avocado garden? And so she's like, okay, I mean, I guess that's not that strange. So the interview continues and now Leslie starts asking Jules about herself. And this is where all of my red flags start going off. Even if the author did not write it so creepy, I think my red flags would have just been through the roof because she's like, are you seeing anyone? Because, you know, obviously we can't have visitors. So no boyfriends, no girlfriends over. And she's like, nope, just me. And she's like, okay, so your family as the next point of contact. And she's like, no family, just me. And she's like, okay, well, where's your job? So we can write that down. Mm, kind of in between jobs. Okay, that's okay. Um, that's why your apartment sitting. Got it. Uh, what's your address? Um, kind of in between addresses. Okay. Uh, can we get an emergency contact in case of emergencies? Um, it's just me. No emergency contact. No best friend. She didn't want to put her best friend down because she knew that her best friend was going to judge the shit out of her apartment sitting because, again, the Bartholomew has that big of a reputation. And so she was like, nope, just me. And so Leslie's like, okay, any health conditions, pre-existing issues, like heart issues, allergies, anything like that? Why do you need to know that? Well, you don't have an emergency contact, so we just want to make sure that nothing happens. Um, no, nothing. And so she's like, okay, well, sounds great. I just have one last question. Are you a nosy bit? Are you a inquisitive? Are you nosy? Are you curious? Are you the type that'll go around and become a little journalist for the Bartholomew? Because like I said, the Bartholomew gets lots of clicks. Everyone wants to know what's going on inside the Bartholomew. If you are a journalist, I'd rather you tell me now than I find out later. And she said, nope, I'm really just here for the money. So she says, great, you can move in tomorrow. So she gets the job. She goes back to Chloe's apartment. She's freaking excited. And she tells Chloe everything. She's like, listen, I'm going to be moving in there. You can come. Well, you can't come visit, but it'll be amazing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And Chloe's like, 
Jules, I don't know. Anywhere else, I would have been totally okay with it as your best friend, but the Bartholomew, like, do you know the shit that people say about the Bartholomew? I mean, it's crazy over there. And she's like, well, I'm sure all of it's just kind of a lie. It's all about, like, you know, getting clicks for all these, oh, haunted hotel, you know, YouTubers are stupid. <laughs> she's like, no. The owner of the Bartholomew literally killed himself and he jumped off the roof of the Bartholomew. Like, it's cursed. And she's like, are you serious, Chloe? And she's like, do you remember my grandpa? You loved him. You thought he was a logical dude. Yes, Chloe, I remember your grandpa. And she's like, my grandpa, whenever he walked down that street, would always cross the street so he's never walking on the same side as the Bartholomew. I mean, I'm telling you, all of the locals, we know it's cursed. You can't go there. And she's like, listen, I need this. This is a do-over for my life. Like, I need the money. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I need the money. And she's like, okay, well, just be careful. I'm going to call you every single day. You better have your phone on you. And if anything goes wrong, if there's some cults, you know, I heard it's like American Horror Story. I heard there's some witches in there. If there's anything, you have to come back. And she's like, okay, you're kind of crazy. And then she packs up all of her things into like two little suitcases. And the next day she heads to the Bartholomew to move in. Leslie greets her, helps her with her suitcases. The doorman Charlie's there, he's super nice. And she ends up meeting one of the residents by the name of Dylan. Now we find out that Dylan is another apartment sitter, which is kind of creepy because again, we've been told that this is a very small compact apartment building. There's not a lot of units. Why the fuck are there so many apartment sitters? And so he is apartment sitting 11B. She met Dylan and Dylan's kind of rude. They met on the elevator. He's not very nice. And then there's another elevator or another apartment sitter that is in 11A by the name of Ingrid. So again, so much apartment sitting. So strange. But she's like, you know what? It's going to be fine. Whatever. I'm here for the shmoney. So she's like, whatever. I don't give two forks. And so she meets Dylan. She meets Ingrid and she gets a call from Chloe again. And Chloe's like, listen, I just sent you an article. Check your email. And she checks the email and it says the curse of the Bartholomew. And she's like, okay, you know, what you're honestly the most dramatic person that i've ever met in my entire life okay and so she's like this is this is serious Jules. i'm serious i talked to my boyfriend and he works for one of the biggest law firms in new york city and his boss is oh, billionaire wanted to buy a place at the bartholomew and they wouldn't let him they wouldn't even let him inside the building do you know what that means imagine jeff bezos is trying to buy something and you're like i'm sorry you can't fucking come in dude like what do you mean and they put him on a 10-year wait list there's something there Jules. like it's creepy and she tells chloe i get it it's creepy but i only have like 430 dollars to my name because i just ubered here with my suitcases so i gotta stay i'm sorry she unpacks her stuff into the closet upstairs in the master bedroom and she realizes it's crazy that leslie even mentioned that each unit has a storage unit in the basement because all of her belongings all of her earthly belongings fit into like two three drawers in this massive closet so she's like why would leslie think that i need a storage unit and so she's looking around she's enjoying this apartment this view is beautiful and suddenly she gets that curiosity that leslie was talking about who lived here i kind of want to know was it like a, a celebrity was it a celebrity that recently died was it a ceo of a company maybe and she's like thinking and she's like you know what? Maybe I can find some mail. So she starts looking around, digging around in those shelves. Never a good idea. And she finds a couple things. She finds a bunch of New York Times magazines under the name of, I believe, Marjorie. She finds Marjorie Milton. And she's like, Marjorie Milton? I've never heard of Marjorie Milton. That's not Jeff Bezos. That's not Elon Musk. That's not Angelina Jolie. And then she suddenly gets this like, Ugh, it's probably some lady who was born rich, died rich, and now her rich kids are fighting about who's gonna be richer. And she's like, whatever. Not as exciting as I thought it would be. And she also finds another copy of Heart of a Dreamer, which is not uncommon. It's like finding a Harry Potter. This was a very famous book and then it happened in the Bartholomew. The setting was the Bartholomew, so of course. Then all of a sudden, she hears a noise. She's like, 
Leslie probably saw me snooping. Are there cameras in here? And then she hears a noise, she walks towards it, and she follows the noise, and it's the dumbwaiter. It's moving. And she waits and she waits, and suddenly this big box opens up. She opens up the cardboard or car or the cabinet door, and there's a little piece of paper. She reaches in and it says, Hello and welcome from Ingrid 11A. And so she's like, Okay, cool. And so she writes, Thank you, and sends it back. She's like, Thank you so much, Jewel from 12A. <laughs> and so she leaves all her stuff. She puts that note in and she's like, you know what? I gotta go freaking get some groceries. Like, I need to eat. I cannot be postmating. Like, there's no restaurant in here. I need to save money. I need to go to the local grocery store. So she gets ready, heads down, and in the elevator, she meets another woman by the name of Marianne. Now, Marianne is an older soap opera actress. She used to be super famous. Now she's kind of on the older side. She's definitely retired and she meets her little chihuahua, Rufus. And they're just in the elevator and she's like nice to meet you and she's like fuck i'm not allowed to ask but like i know she's famous i can't wait like to tell chloe that she's famous Woo! and then she also sees this old grumpy dude so the elevator stops at every floor and you can see through it it's like one of those olden elevators it's not like the modern ones and she sees this old man by the name of mr leonard and he seems like he's about to get on the elevator and she's about to stop it but marianne's like no you're doing great mr leonard we don't stop the elevator for mr leonard he suffered about like three heart attacks so he takes the stairs every day um he thinks the big one coming you know so he's trying to be health conscious right now and so she's like oh okay she goes to the mail room gets off the elevator after meeting those two residents and she's trying to pick get some mail her job is that she has to pick up mail for this unit every single day right and there's nothing in the mailbox and she closes it turns around and she sees Greta how do we know Greta she's the author of the heart of a dreamer that's like meeting JK Rowling and so she's like holy and she's like, I know I'm not supposed to approach them, but are you Greta? I love your book so much. And Greta's just kind of mean. She's just like, okay, cool. Thank you so much. And she's like, no, I'm serious. Like, your book was my favorite book of all time. And Greta looks at her and says, then you haven't really read many books, huh? And she walks away. <laughs> and she's like, whoa, that was, they say, never meet your idols. You know what I mean? She has all of this adrenaline because you know when just a normal person's rude to you, you're like adrenaline pumping. But then especially if it was like someone you looked up to is rude to you, you're like adrenaline through the roof. So she runs outside and she comes face to face with a signpost and she's her heart stops because it's a missing poster. And it's not for Jane, but anytime she sees a missing person's poster, she automatically thinks of her sister, of course. And it said in big, bold letters, missing and I had a picture of a really, really pretty girl and all of the details and contact this number and she just couldn't help thinking about Jane on her walk to the grocery store. Now, at the grocery store, we start learning that not only does she not have money, but she has a lot of complex sad emotions i guess in the sense regarding money and she's shopping and she's buying all these you know cereals she's buying frozen pizza she got four oranges because produce is so expensive in new york city that she has to eat everything frozen and then for nutrition she gets oranges and she was just trying to save as much money as possible so she's buying all these things and we learned that jules and her mom had a really sad relationship so one day one of her rich friends came over katie jules's friends and she was like in middle school and katie never really noticed that there was a you know financial difference between the two families until one day Jules mom brought out some fruit o's in the morning to eat instead of fruit loops and Katie her best friend goes oh I don't eat those those are fake fruit loops and Jules was like mom put those away like that's so embarrassing and so then that night Jules was like I don't want to eat this like no I'm never eating fruit o's again I don't want this I want fruit loops and her mom started crying and then from then on she never bought off-brand name stuff ever again and Jules was thinking about how she 
community she felt like that was at least thousands of dollars over years that they spent buying fruit loops and oreos instead of market pantry and she was just talking about how she wishes her mom was here now to eat some frozen pizza with her because she would never treat her that way right very sad so she's walking into the bartholomew charlie's like let me help you with it and again you have this another tinge of jules being very self-conscious she didn't want the doorman to see like all the shit food she was eating and so she's like no no no, i got it i got it i got it and so he's like well let me let me get the elevator for you so they're rushing to the elevator she's got all these bags she got an economy size frozen pizza box so it's a lot of fucking pizza it's really heavy and so she's like stumbling all the way over there and then all of a sudden charlie's like watch out and in comes ingrid storming down the stairs you know because the stairs are right next to the elevator and she's on her phone with headphones and she bumps into jules and all of her groceries go flying it was really bad jules ends up bleeding on the arm a little bit there's oranges everywhere and she's like i'm not bleeding don't worry it's just pasta sauce and you know leslie came out of her office because she heard it all and she's like no no no, that's not pasta sauce that's blood on your arm and she's like oh shit like this is so embarrassing like all my groceries you know and you still realize that jules is caring more about everyone seeing her groceries than she is about her bleeding arm and it's really sad she's like well we're gonna take you to the er and again jules starts panicking i don't have money for the er i don't have health insurance and she's like no no i'm seriously fine and she goes okay how about this we have dr nick who also lives in unit 12b so he's your next door neighbor he's a doctor he's a surgeon why don't we go see his professional advice and if you need to go to the er we'll take you to the er and she's like Fuck. okay so they go to dr nick's apartment which is 12 so she enters dr nick's apartment and i mean the decor is really interesting he's got like gold snakes everywhere he really likes snakes very culty you know i mean it's just a little bit creepy but then in comes walking this 40 year old handsome doctor and she's like listen if i wasn't fucking broke this would be like this would be like the heart of a dreamer like this would be a love story you know what i'm saying like i'm bleeding he's gonna be like i'm gonna stitch you up rich girl and i'm gonna be like thank you rich man and then we're gonna get married but then she's like but i'm broke and i'm not his type so whatever patch me up bitch so he's patching her up they start talking and she starts getting kind of nosy she just kind of wants to know like how he can afford such an apartment at 40 like most surgeons cannot this is the bartholomew and he mentions you know this was my I mean, he's a legendary resident or uh, a, what do you call it? No, his parents and his grandparents have owned it for so, so long. Okay, that's what I was trying to say. His parents and his parents and his parents have owned it. And he's like, Jules, what's that short for? While he's patching her up. And she's like, just Jules. And he's like, not Julianne or, you know, anything like that. Juliana, just Jules. Um, my, my mom said when I came out that my eyes were like Jules. So she named me Jules for short. And he's like, huh, this is kind of cool. And he's like, I'm Nick for Nicholas. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> and so she gets patched up. She heads back to 12A and inside the dumb waiter is yet again another letter. This time was again from Ingrid. And she said, I'm like, oh, sorry about the arm. Meet me at Central Park in 15 minutes what she's like what and she's like gave her the exact location and she's like really someone who just bumped into me made me freaking bleed on the first time that i met her because she was on her phone now she's giving me a demand to meet her in central park i gotta go so she goes to central park okay and she meets ingrid now ingrid was literally the opposite of what she was expecting she was expecting someone to just be kind of like hey sorry about what happened thanks for meeting me at central park but ingrid was kind of like i would describe that i would see myself a little bit in ingrid non-stop talk just wouldn't shut the f up and jules was like wow i don't think i can handle this energy for too much longer ingrid is going on and on about how she really doesn't have any family and she came to new york because she was like trying to make it big in new york city and she fell in love with a boy but then the boy cheated on her and she was like f boys boys suck and they're like yeah f 
boys and they're just like talking on and on and on and it's interesting because they start relating on the fact that they don't really have any family they don't really have any boyfriends they don't really have any people around very interesting right yeah. and ingrid at the end of their meeting was like hey don't you think that bartholomew is kind of scary and she said it so casually and jules was like yeah i mean i heard the rumors but they're just rumors right ingrid and she's like yeah no that's what i meant like just creepy rumors and she's like but you you don't think it's super scary no and if you think that's not scary maybe you could always leave yeah but i need the money so they both relate to the fact that they both are there for the money i mean it's a little creepy and ingrid says okay how about this that building's making me go crazy okay why don't we meet here every single day for lunch okay and so she's like oh god i don't know if i can handle this bit and she's like okay sounds good ingrid and she goes and i'm gonna call you juju juju <laughs> she's like yeah because you know lots of people say bad juju but i know i know you're good juju you got some good juju around you i'm gonna call you juju and so they walk back to the bartholomew and now they're friends <laughs> they also exchange numbers so that night after all of this has happened her arm is stitched up she went to central park for lunch you know she met some of the residents she suddenly hears at one in the morning a scream while she's trying to fall asleep and jules is a warrior jules is not the same person she would have been if jane hadn't gone missing so she's always worried about stuff like this so she waits and she listens and she thinks that kind of sounds like i mean ingrid had a little bit of a higher pitched voice and that sounds like ingrid and i'm right on top of 11a and so she's like you know what i can't do this anymore you know I, I, she was waiting to see if there was any laughter or tv noise afterwards there wasn't and jules was like for my sake for my peace of mind i gotta make sure even if she thinks i'm crazy paranoid annoyed i'm just gonna go knock on her door at one in the morning so she makes it down to 11a she knocks on the door and it takes a minute to open up but ingrid opens up the door covering it most of it with her body and she's like what's wrong and she goes hey nothing's wrong and she's like what i heard you scream no you must have been watching tv no i i heard you scream i'm not watching tv why well, didn't scream and it was just like the an off-putting thing like that's not how she expected her to act because at the park she was all like no like I, i'm from pennsylvania i'm from then and then all of a sudden she's like why well, did it and she's like um okay i mean i maybe i did hear it we're still meeting for lunch tomorrow right yep see you tomorrow and she closes the door I feel like this one's creepier than the other. Yeah, there's so much. Uh, I feel like the first BAM, can I call it BAM, Baking a Mystery? The first Baking a Mystery I did, it you kind of have a couple ideas right from the get-go of what you think this is going to end like, but this one is just weird. Yeah. You don't even know. And so then now we end up with another hospital. So this hospital, like the time frame happened within six days. Within her moving into the Bartholomew, in six days she ends up getting hit by a car in front of the Bartholomew. So now we're back at the hospital and Dr. Wagner, who is her doctor, says, you know, what happened? Can you tell me more about the car accident? Do you remember anything? And she says, I don't remember much. I'm just so glad that I'm at the hospital and far away from the Bartholomew. And Dr. Wagner says, you know, I just have to ask some questions for our psychiatric team because a witness did state that you ran out of the Bartholomew um, in a panic and you didn't even stop when you saw oncoming traffic. You didn't winch. You didn't try to dodge. You just stood there like not even a second. You just stood there. And that doesn't sound like normal behavior to me, Jules. And she says, it's not. It's not normal. Because I wasn't just walking. I wasn't just running. I was escaping the Bartholomew. 
And so the next morning, she goes to Central Park. She doesn't see Leslie for lunch. She's like, what the fork is going on? Why isn't she here after yesterday's screen? This is not normal. So she goes immediately to 11A. She sent her three messages. And so she's like, whatever. I'm not going to wait here for lunch. I'm going to go to Ingrid and be like, what's going on? So she goes to 11A, knocks on the door, and Ingrid doesn't open. But this time, it's the apartment manager, Leslie. Leslie opens the door, and she's like, oh, Jules, what are you doing here? And again, it was a rule to, I mean, kind of a rule to not disturb the residents, maybe not the apartment sitters. It wasn't explicitly stated. And so Jules is like, oh, I was supposed to meet Ingrid for lunch, but she didn't, she bailed on me. I was just trying to check up on her. And Leslie's like, yeah, I know. Um, She took all of her things and she left last night without any notice. I mean, she was supposed to stay like eight more weeks, 10 more weeks, actually. Can you believe it? She just left. And now we have this empty apartment. I mean, that's kind of rude, don't you think, Jules? And so she's like, why would she leave? She never mentioned leaving. Why would she want to have lunch with me if she knew that she was going to leave last night? That doesn't make any sense. And she was like, well, she didn't even leave a note. She packed up all of her things and she dropped the keys in the middle of the lobby on the floor. So rude. And she just left. Are you sure? If she dropped it, maybe maybe she was in a hurry. Like maybe maybe she went to go hang out with a friend. Well, I don't know. But she took all of her stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I knew I shouldn't have hired her in the first place. She did not seem reliable at all. Hold on, let me stick these in the oven. Creepy. This one's so, so creepy. creepy. So she tells Leslie about the scream, and Leslie's like, well, I mean, nobody really heard anything. This is not the type of apartment complex where people hear a scream and then just kind of ignore it. So you're kind of on your own. And Leslie's like, I have so much to do. I'm so sorry, Jules. I need to find a different apartment sitter for this unit, so I gotta go. And so Jules is like, huh, I need to get some more information. So she goes upstairs to 12A, and she starts going through Ingrid's social media. She stalks her down on Instagram and sees that she had posted a couple selfies and and there was this dude who commented on one of them. She ends up messaging that dude and is like, hey, like, is Ingrid with you? Do you know where Ingrid is? And then a couple days ago, she had posted a picture of her copy of Heart of a Dreamer in front of the Bartholomew and said, just met the author. And so she's like, okay, I need to go ask Greta. I mean, obviously it's breaking the rules, but I don't give a fork. I'm too nervous. So she goes down to 10A. So as you can see, Jules lives here, then Ingrid then Greta. And so Greta must have heard something. So she goes to 10A and she's like, Greta, Greta, have you talked to Ingrid? And she's like, okay, come in. Like, you are so annoying. I know I was so rude to you in the mailroom, but you need to chill out. And so she comes inside into Greta's apartment and she's like talking about how Ingrid's missing, blah, blah, blah. And Greta's like, listen, I have insomnia. I'm an old lady. I didn't hear Jack so your friend's not missing your friend dipped okay and so she's like no i'm serious something's wrong and she's like oh my god you are too much you are too much walking around with your little ideas about life it's all a fantasy and she's like what do you mean heart of a dreamer was such a good book and she's like yeah it's it's the biggest lie i've ever told this is what Greta says. That's not how real life works. Real life, you don't have a rich grandma who gives you a $5 million apartment out of nowhere and suddenly you're marrying rich people, okay? Heart of a dreamer is all lies. That's not the real world. Get out of it. And so she ends up confessing like, hey, sometimes people need a fantasy. Like, my life sucks. Like, I like your books because it helps me escape. And so Greta gives her one bit of a warning before she leaves, which is, listen, you seem like a gentle soul. And this place will eat you up and spit you out people like you and she said new york or the bartholomew and she says both now get out of my apartment so then she goes to nick's apartment the surgeon who is also on her level and she starts asking him like hey did you hear anything you know i'm really worried about ingrid and i even asked Greta, and he's like 
Greta, she tried to help you? And he's, she's like, you know, Greta, yeah, we're both legacy tenants. Like, we've been here for ages. Like, our family has owned units in the Bartholomew for ages. Um, she's kind of grumpy, a little grumpy, but it's fine. But I'm surprised Greta cared. And she's like, well, what should I do? I mean, she did mention that the Bartholomew was creepy. Do you know anything about the Bartholomew being creepy? I mean, you've lived here for so long. And he's like, oh, my God, this is so annoying. Like, literally, everyone talks about how the Bartholomew is creepy. But you know what? It's only creepy because news loves talking about it like it's creepy. Statistically, we have the same number of accidents, deaths, murders than any other complex that would be around the same age as the Bartholomew. I mean, people need to give it a break. And so she's like, oh, yeah, I know. But, you know, I was just wondering. And he's like... I mean, I get it. We have some creepy rules about no visitors for apartment sitters, and that's kind of why Erica left. Erica? Who's Erica? She was the apartment sitter for your unit before you? Oh, I thought I thought I was apartment sitting because the owner died. Yeah, I mean, I think she was only here for like a couple weeks. She couldn't handle the rules. She just left one day. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe Ingrid just couldn't handle the rules. Maybe she wanted to hang out with her friends. Maybe she wanted to be on social media. I don't know. But I wouldn't worry too much about it, Jules. And she says, okay, thanks and she leaves. Now is the time she goes into Unit 12A, and she's like, I need to read about this article that my friend Chloe sent me about the curse of the Bartholomew. She starts looking into it. This is an old building. So the first incident that happened was during the Spanish Plague, which I know that we've all been hearing a lot about that recently. And because of the poor ventilation in this entire building, and because the owners didn't really care, and the servants, they were just all huddled up into the same environment upstairs on the 12th floor, the one that she is currently residing in, there was about 24 people who died that was a part of the Bartholomew. And so she's like, ooh, that's a little creepy, but again, it's in the 1900s. Lots of people died from plagues back then, not anymore. So then she reads the next article, which is the fact that the owner of the Bartholomew ended up killing himself because he felt so guilty over all of the deaths that happened from the Spanish plague that he went to the rooftop and in the middle of the daylight in front of Central Park and all of the people running around, he jumped off to his death 13 floors. A hundred people witnessed it. Now the next thing that's creepy that happens is a man falls down the stairs out of nowhere and he breaks his neck and he ends up dying. And then in 1932, there was a wonderful movie actress who went into the Bartholomew, she lived there, and she had an overdose. And then in 1944, a girl that worked at the Bartholomew, on her off day, she was found brutally, brutally murdered at Central Park. Her name was Ruby. And... The interesting thing about her murder was not the fact that it was just brutal, but she had been cut open and a lot of her organs were taken out and she was drained of her blood and her heart was gone too. The murder weapon was unfound and her organs were never found either. So this is really creepy. She starts doing more research on it and it seems like all of these newspapers back in the day said that it all leads to a woman by the name of Cornelia Swanson. Now Cornelia was a resident and Ruby was actually working as Cornelia's servant back in the day. And Cornelia had ties to a woman by the name of Maria who ran the Golden Chalice. Now the Golden Chalice was known to be um, a cult. They were a satanic cult. So they practiced rituals and sacrifices and it's it's never been confirmed and nobody ever went to jail for sacrificing anyone or anything but it's just a rumor and so people always assumed that it was cornelia swanson that had something to do with her death so much so that the police arrested cornelia and she ended up mysteriously dying in her jail cell a couple days later all of it is so strange so she's thinking maybe there's some cult shit going on in here maybe maybe 
their energy is fucking shit up, right? Then everything kind of quieted it down until 2004, a wife murders her cheating husband at the Bartholomew. 2008, a robbery gone wrong. So you have this man who invites an escort into his apartment at the Bartholomew and she ends up trying to rob him and then they end up getting into a fight. She kills the owner. So there was another murder that was in 2008. And so if you tally all of those up other than natural diseases like cancer or old age, there were about 30 weird deaths that surrounded the Bartholomew but this happened over you know over a century but Ingrid leaving does make it a little weird so she goes to the dumbwaiter which is how she used to communicate with Ingrid and she sees that a paper has been left with a key and it says storage unit please be careful things are weird at the Bartholomew and so she's like okay storage unit all of the storage units are in the basement so she travels down to the basement she passes all of the storage units why would Ingrid need a storage unit why would, why would I need to be careful she opens up 11a storage and inside is a tiny shoe box with a gun inside and so she's like what immediately she gets a phone call and she freaks out and she's like Fuck, is it leslie is she is there cameras down here does she know i'm like snooping around and she picks up and it's a dude by the name of zeke and he says hey you emailed me what's poppin and she's like i emailed you you're like on instagram you asked me about ingrid i haven't seen her why are you what, what's going on is something wrong with ingrid and she's like no i just wanted to know when's the last time you saw her and he was like uh like a couple days ago maybe two days ago what, what, what are you guys dating what why did you see her are you the cop like why do you need to know and he's like i saw her because i'm an herbalist i specialize in herbs He's a pot dealer. And so he's like, I specialize in herbs. And she was looking for some herbs. And then I was like, she's like, okay, so what else? Did she say anything about the Bartholomew? And he was like, oh, that fancy place she's staying at? Yeah, I think she was kind of creeped out about it because she bought some pot. And then she also asked if she could buy a gun. And so I hooked her up with my other dealer and he sold her a gun for like $1,000. And the next day, she kind of disappeared. So weird, right? The day right after she got a gun? Yeah. So she goes back up to 12A and she text bombs Ingrid six times. Why did you leave me with a gun? Where the fuck are you? What do you mean be careful? What do you mean? Like what's going on? And no response. And then there's a fire that happens. I mean, the fire is interesting. We're only going to be talking about the fire because it happens in the middle of the night. Obviously, Jules has trauma that's regarding fire because of her parents' death. And she ends up going to save Rufus, Marianne's dog, on um, the seventh floor because for some reason Marianne had left her dog. And so she went to save Marianne's dog. There was press outside and it just kind of ruffled a lot of feathers in the press because, again, Bartholomew is super secretive and there was a fire. I mean, it just all seems a little bit weird. A little bit strange and so there were so many photographers there were photographs of jewels outside of the bartholomew covered in smoke just saving rufus the dog greta was in the picture i mean it was a shit show so the fire had started on the seventh floor because mr leonard the old dude who used to be a senator by the way he was cooking something and then he had a heart attack and he couldn't turn it off and then it ended up burning thankfully nobody died but it just was a very traumatic experience and then we get another flashback to the hospital and jules is saying listen i need to talk to the police and even in her own head, the dialogue is very interesting because she's trying to be as calm as possible. She knows in a hospital setting, the minute that she gets a little frantic, uh-uh, they're not helping you. They're not calling the cops. They're sending you to the psychiatric ward. And so she's like, I just want to talk to the police if possible. I have some things about the Bartholomew I feel like they'd be interested in. And um, she said, it's, it's a little dangerous there. I lived there for five days. It's really dangerous there. 
And so then finally she decides to text Chloe and she starts telling her all about, now we're back at the Bartholomew, and she's telling her all about Ingrid and she doesn't know what to do. She she leaves out the part about the gun because it's too creepy and she's like, what do I do? Where do I look for her? And Chloe texts her back and she says, listen, I think you need to stop looking for her. I think she's a full-grown adult. You don't owe her anything and I think you're only looking for her because of your sister. I don't think, I don't think anything weird's going on. I'm just going to be honest. I think she just left. So Chloe tells her this and she gets a little bit upset. She feels a little bit just hopeless in the process of finding Ingrid. And all of a sudden she gets a knock on the door from Greta. And she says, you know what? Thank you for saving me in the fire. If you hadn't come to my floor and knocked on my door, I don't know what would have happened. So I want to treat you to lunch. So they go out to lunch together and Greta's being really nice. I mean, to the point where Jules feels like she can open up about her history. She tells him about her parents' death. And Greta says, you know, I I get it now. I get why you want to look for Ingrid so badly. I would probably try to look at homeless shelters, you know? Like, maybe if she left and you say she had no place to go, maybe that's where she went. I mean, maybe there's something that's scarier than the Bartholomew. Maybe she has a stalker. Maybe she has a boyfriend who's abusive. The Bartholomew's not that scary, Jules. There are other things that are a lot scarier. And so she takes her advice. She goes to all of the local homeless shelters, and she meets a woman by the name of Bobby who's running the women's shelter. And she gives her a number, and Bobby says, I mean, yeah, I don't really do, do this often, but if, if I see Ingrid with this picture, I will text you. And so she feels a little bit good about herself, and she goes home, and she fucks Nick the surgeon. I know, they came out of nowhere. <laughs> Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, so Andrew had seen her picture in the newspaper. Um, Andrew, her ex-boyfriend, who was cheating on her, and he saw that she was a Bartholomew resident, and he got all excited, and he was all like, take me back, baby, I'll never cheat on you again, even though she was like, how many times? And he was like, maybe three times, but wow, what a nice place you got here. And uh, he also asked money for rent, and she was upset. She was in the lobby of the Bartholomew, and he was all like, please, Jules, I love you. And then Nick came in, and she was like, Nick, I've been waiting for you. So like, super K-drama, pretending to be lovers, and they made out in the lobby in front of Andrew and then Andrew left and then they went upstairs and they finished the job at which apartment at Nick's apartment odd so then the next day Nick is like you know what I'm gonna help you find Ingrid I mean you seem really caught up in it and I am really caught up in your WAP you know yeah I don't know if he helped out of the goodness of his heart or because now they were doing it and so he's like let me help you and so she was like I have a plan I need to get into Ingrid's apartment so how about this you lower me down from the dumb waiter into Ingrid's apartment and I will look around you hold watch in the middle of the day and then you lift me back up okay or I can even exit from her front door lock it behind me and go up using the elevator and so he's like okay I mean, I guess that sounds good. So she gets into the dumbwaiter. She gets lowered to the 11th floor. She gets out at Ingrid's apartment. She's looking around and nothing. There's nothing that could show that Ingrid was ever even here. She had taken everything. Like, it wasn't a lie. She didn't leave in a rush. There was no signs of a struggle. The one thing that she did find was a copy of The Heart of a Dreamer. But it was odd because it was signed by Greta. Now, Greta had always said that she was never really close with Ingrid. She was never really close with any of the apartment sitters. Why would she be? She's an old lady. It was signed, your youthfulness gives me life. It was such a pleasure to meet you. Love, Greta. To Ingrid. Signed it to Ingrid. So she's like, okay, this is weird. And then all of a sudden she hears a noise. Now Leslie is conducting an interview inside of this apartment for the next apartment sitter. And one thing that I will note that was so freaking strange is Leslie asked the same exact questions that she asked Jules. And now maybe, maybe there are some other things that are biased here. Maybe the next apartment sitter wasn't that cool. But she ended up having a family and she ended up having a boyfriend and all of that. And Leslie said, thank you. Um, we'll call you if... You you know with our decision she heard all of that yeah 
Where was she? Under the bed hiding. Oh. So it was just weird. So then she goes back up to Nick's apartment and they do it again. Oh my god. So then now we're back at the hospital and she's freaking out and she's like, listen, I really want to talk to the police. And Dr. Wagner is like, um, I think you need to talk to like a head specialist. And she's like, no, I need to talk to the police. And he was like, what do you mean? What was going on at the Bartholomew? That's so scary. And she goes, I don't think you want to know. It's okay, Jules. This is a safe place. You can tell us. I think several people were murdered there recently. Not a long time ago. Recently. What? And then we cut back to the Bartholomew. So she's in the Bartholomew. She gets back from doing Nick and she goes into her apartment and she tosses the keys. And as she's tossing them onto the little desk in the entryway, it falls into like an AC vent on the ground. And she's like, fuck. So she screwdrivers it open, pops it open, reaches her hand down there, gets her keys. But there's also another thing down there. And she looks at it and it's a phone. And she freaks out. Whose phone is this? She unlocks it. She's like, I've seen this picture before. I've seen this face before. She rushes downstairs to the missing poster. And under it, it said, Erica, the girl who was sitting apartment 12A before her. So she gets the number from that, and she goes back up to 12A. Using her phone, she calls the number that says, Missing, please help if found. Call this number. And on the other line, Dylan picks up. And he says, Hello? She says, Dylan? This is Jules. Jules from 12A. I know who you are. I can't do this over the phone right now. Meet me at the museum. Ah! And so she meets Dylan at the Natural Museum of History. And she's like, you need to tell me everything. And he's like, I want to see her phone. And she's like, no, you're creepy. And so she's like, tell me everything, Dylan. And so Dylan's like, okay. So when I started apartment sitting, it was around the time that Erica was apartment sitting. So like maybe three months ago, I'm almost done. I have three weeks left. And we started doing it. I don't know if that's breaking the rules, but we kept it hush hush anyway. And one day she just... She just disappeared. Like, I had left her apartment at 12A, and I went back to mine, and that day she was gone. And the next day I freaked out, and Leslie said she just packed up her things and left because she didn't like all the rules. She hated not being able to have friends over, not being able to have family over. And Dylan thought it was weird because Dylan knew that she didn't have any friends or family. Like, she was just there for the money, and they just happened to get along. And so he texted her, texted her nonstop, and she never picked up. She never called back. She ha- He had no way of getting in contact with her. The police didn't believe him either, by the way. The one thing that he did notice was that before she left the Bartholomew, she kept talking about how the Bartholomew was creepy. Like, the recent days before she left, she kept talking about a Cornelia Swanson and how some shit was weird and the golden chalice. And I thought maybe she was just reading too much on the internet, but then she disappeared. And she was actually close friends with Ingrid. They had met, too. And they would do lunch at Central Park together all the time. And then Dylan's like, but it gets weirder because I found a ring. And it's like a gold high school ring and it says Megan on it. And I found out by doing some research that she recently went missing maybe like a year ago. And she was apartment sitting at the Bartholomew. And so she's like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? He's like, I know. I think there's a serial killer that lives inside the Bartholomew. He said, you know, even before Ingrid went missing, she called Dylan and said, Dylan, we need to meet. We need to meet because I think I know what happened to Erica. And then she left. And so Dylan's like, now your turn. Show me the phone. And they go through the phone together. Jules is still skeptical of Dylan. She's like, how do I know you're not the serial killer? And you're just feeding me these lies. And so they go through her phone together. And it seems like maybe he's not because, I mean... 
I don't know, maybe it's all fake, but maybe it's not. This is what Jules is thinking. She's like, all of the text messages do line up to a friend that's like, where the fuck are you? Like this, the same ones she sent Ingrid. But again, who knows? She's, she's like, I'm not trusting nobody at the Bartholomew, okay? And then there's a video. The last video, she, Erica, was seen recording herself. And you know, when you're not a YouTuber and you're not Instagram storing and you're recording yourself as evidence, some shit's going down, okay? And she said, I don't know what's going on here, but this whole building, it's just not right. I think we're being watched. And she says, I don't know why, though, but I know we're being watched right now. I'm scared. I'm really fucking scared. And then she hears a knock on the door, and you can hear it in the video. And she says, fuck, it's him. And she stops the recording. Oh, Who's him? God. And then it just gets weird, okay? So at this point, Greta stops by again in 12A while she's watching this video, and she gives her a signed copy of The Heart of a Dreamer. And she says, I'm sorry I knocked you off the first morning, but here, you wanted a copy, I've signed it. And she says, oh my gosh, wow. She opens it up, and she freezes, because it says, two jewels, your youthfulness gives me life. Such a pleasure to meet you love Greta, the exact words that she used for Ingrid. And she was thinking, you know what, maybe authors say the same exact bullshit for everyone, right? And she said, thank you so much. And then Greta goes, you know, this is very special. I don't really hang out with apartment sitters and I never have ever given them a signed copy. And she says, never, never. And then Greta leaves and then she immediately texts Ingrid again. And she says, I know I've been blowing up your phone, but if you can read this, please text me back. I understand. I know why you left the Bartholomew. Call me. I know exactly what you knew. What? And then she gets a text message from Ingrid and it says, hey, Jules, sorry. I've just been so busy. Um, I got a job offer and I had to pack up immediately and I left my phone on the bus and it just was a, such a struggle to get back. Sorry, I just saw your text messages. And so Jules is like, I don't believe you. She's saying that? Yeah, and she's like, I just want to make sure that this isn't some creep on the bus, you know? What's my nickname? And she says, that's a trick question. Jules is your real name. Do you know who it is now? Do you know yeah. who? Yeah, uh, the apartment, what is it? The what? surgeon. Oh, the that stitched her up. What does Jules stand for? So immediately after that, she doesn't text back and she starts freaking out. And almost as if he knew, Nick comes and knocks on her door. So she immediately texts Chloe, pretends she's not home. And she says, I'm in danger. I need to leave this place now. Oh. Text her Chloe, best friend, right? Not Ingrid. Chloe won't pick up. She's freaking out and she has no money. So she has like $30 left. She had to spend a bunch of money. Chloe's not picking up. She can't go to Chloe. She doesn't have a key. She doesn't know what to do. And so she says, okay, I have to wait till the end of the week to get paid $1,000 and then I have to leave. In order to leave, I have to stay, was her logic. And so she, he's knocking. She pretends she's not there. She texts Chloe. And so she's like, I know Chloe went on vacation with her boyfriend recently. Maybe she's still there. I need to stay to get this money so I can go to a hotel. And then we're flashback to the hospital. And the doctor's like, what do you mean? Like, there has literally been no news. I just Googled it, Jules. Like, were you on any medications? You know, he's very skeptical. And she's like, oh my God, get my phone. I need, I need to get my phone. Do you have my phone? And he's like, no, it wasn't with your stuff when you came in. And she said, that's how he's doing it. That's how Nick is killing everyone. He uses their phones. That's why he has Ingrid's phone to lure me in, to try to kill me. He's a serial killer and he's going to get Chloe next. And so the doctor's like, okay, we're going to go get the psychologist. We'll be right back. Now she starts Googling the dead owner of her apartment because maybe she has answers. So she looks into it and turns out Marjorie Milton is actually not fine 
fucking dead. She's alive. And she runs the Guggenheim Museum. So she's like, what the fuck? It's just a rich lady. So she finds her address. She stalks the shit out of her, knows that she loves to walk her dog in Central Park, stakes out her apartment, and she approaches her. And she's like, you need to tell me what happened when you lived at the Bartholomew. And she's like, what do you mean? I never lived at the Bartholomew. And she's like, you're lying to me. And she's like, why would I be lying to you? And they get into a little bit of an argument. And Marjorie, this elderly woman, is like, let go of me. What is wrong with you? Let go of me. And then she tugs on her shirt. And on it is a gold serpent. Like the one that were in Nick's apartment. She freaks out. She goes to the local library. She starts looking up what does a gold serpent mean. And this one was interesting because all of them are the same. It's not like the Gucci, like the looks the same. It was eating its own tail. So it was a figure eight and it was eating its own tail. And she looked into it and the sign of a snake eating its own tail means life reborn. And so she's like, what? And then they all had like tiny gold accents. So she's like, the golden chalice. Oh my God. The golden chalice. It's a cult. This is their cult's label. She does some more research. She looks up the golden chalice at the library. And it was known, there was tons of reports saying that the golden chalice, this entire cult with Cornelia Swanson and her lover, Maria, they would get young women and they would cut them open like they did to Ruby and drench their blood into a golden chalice. And then they would have a ritual and that would keep them forever young, almost like Pizzagate. Anyways, I'm scared. And then all of a sudden she gets a text message from Bobby from the shelter and says, hey, your friend Ingrid is here. So she runs to the shelter and sure enough, it's fucking Ingrid. She's not missing. She's not been sacrificed to the cult. So she's like, Ingrid, what the hell is going on? We need to talk. And so Ingrid is like, oh my God, Jules, I can't believe you were looking for me. Like, I'm so scared. We need to go. We need to go. You need to leave the Bartholomew right now. And she's like, no, I need to get my thousand dollars so I can leave. And she's like, no, you don't get it, Jules. And Jules goes, no, I do get it. And she goes, listen, I'm sorry, you're gonna hate me. Why would I hate you, Ingrid? The day that we first met, I wasn't on my phone. Leslie paid me a couple thousand dollars to cut your arm. What? Wait, what? Yeah, Ingrid, you know how Ingrid bumped into her oh. and she and she's like, what? Yeah, she paid me to cut your arm. Who's Leslie? The apartment manager. Why would she do that? I, I don't know. I didn't ask and I didn't know you and I felt so bad about it, especially when I got to know you in the park. But it, I, I was so scared of the Bartholomew. I needed the money to get out of there. And when it came down to it, Nick was in my apartment that night when I had texted Dylan. I was supposed to meet him in the basement to tell him about everything and tell him about what I knew about Erica and about Cornelia Swanson and about the Golden Chalice and all of these things. And Nick was in my apartment. I don't even know how he got in there. I don't know. And he kept threatening me and he had this gun and he kept telling telling me like if I don't struggle it's gonna be easier and don't try to fight him and that's when you knocked on the door after I screamed and thankfully you knocked on the door because remember when I was reaching into my pocket and you kept asking me what was wrong and you thought I mean Jules thought it was just weird that why was she reaching into her pocket she was getting her pepper spray out and so she was able to run out of there she left all of her stuff all of her money all of the cash that the Bartholomew paid her she left it all and she was been on the run she had nowhere to go and she came here to look for a place to stay and that's when and Bobby said she knew you. And so she was like, I think that they're sacrificing people. And Jules is like, I think so too. And she was like, and I also read they do it like for a blue moon or something. That's when Ruby, the first person, died a long time ago in like the 1940s. And she's like, but that doesn't make sense, Jules. Like the 1940s, like how can they still be alive? And she's like, I think Greta is Cornelia Swanson. And I think all of these people are either reborn or these are 
cult members. She checks her phone and she's like, fuck, tonight's a blue moon. So she's like, Dylan. So she runs back to the Bartholomew. She runs and Charlie's like, oh my God, Jules, calm down. Like the doorman's like, calm down. You're going to hurt yourself again. And she's all like, listen, bitch, I'm fucking leaving. I'm getting my ship and I'm leaving because I got a job in Brooklyn and I got an apartment in Brooklyn. So I'm going to go to fucking Brooklyn. The Upper West Side is not for me. So she, she say that? Yeah. So then he's like, oh man, I'd hate to see you go. And so then she runs to go get Dylan. And so she runs to 12A, opens the door and Nick is waiting inside. And he has a stun gun. And she's like, I need to get that gun that I left in the kitchen, you know? And he's all like, that gun? I know you texted Ingrid about the gun. I didn't know she had a gun, but I took the gun. It's not safe to have a gun in your apartment. And she's all like, okay, I need to go. And he's all like, no, if you don't resist, it's going to be much easier. You know, typical serial killer bullshit. And she's all like, I'm going to fucking go. And I'm never going to come back. And you can go screw yourself. And she starts running down the stairs. And he starts running after her. And a huge battle ensues. And then she makes it to the lobby. And as she's about to book it to the door, Charlie bumps in front of her and says, I'm sorry. They told me it was going to help my daughter. Sorry. I can't let you leave. So then she was like, whoa, that's insane. And so she knocks him out. She like pushes him aside. She didn't knock him out. I think a part of him wanted her to, right? And so she makes it onto the street and runs straight into oncoming traffic and was then taken to a hospital. That makes no sense. She wants to get hit by a car. Well, I don't know if it happened because she wanted to or because it was like the direct path. Now we're in the hospital. So the doctor is like, I'm going to go get a psychiatrist. Okay, Jules, just hang on tight. We're just going to do a small evaluation. and Everything's going to be great. And then we can call the cops after this. Okay, Jules? And so he leaves. He's going to get the psychiatrist. And she's like, that shit. I don't need a psychiatrist. She's like, I got to go find Ingrid. I got to go find Dylan. I got to go find Chloe. I got to go find everyone. And so she pulls the IV out of her arms dramatically. And she's crawling fucking out of that hospital room. And it's just so many hallways. Hospitals have so many freaking hallways, right? And she opens a door and it leads to a kitchen. And she's like, fork. And she's like, maybe there's a phone I can call Chloe. And she walks into the kitchen and she's limping. And she looks up and there's a painting of a snake. Ah... Uh that's eating its own tail. And then she wakes up again because she was um, knocked unconscious. They drugged her up, okay? She wakes up and inside the room is Dr. Wagner and Nick. She knows something's wrong. She has bandages all over her body, places that weren't there before because she had gotten into a car accident and they were just on her head, but now she has bandages on her tummy. And Nick says, good morning, Jules. Thankfully, the surgery was a success. Everything went according to plan. She's like, what surgery? What surgery? And he goes, anyways, take your pills and we'll be back to check up on you. And that's when Greta limps in. Greta was also in a hospital gown. And so Jules is like, okay, are we all like getting fucked over by the Bartholomew? Like what's going on? And Greta says, listen, I just want you to know something. I never wanted it to be you. I wanted it to be Ingrid. You, you were so nice and you've been through so much shit in life. I didn't want to add more things, but Ingrid ended up running away and they said you were a match. A match? So apparently, Greta needed a kidney transplant. Bruh, all of that for a kidney transplant? No, because Nick comes back in. He says her liver is going to Marianne, the old actress, and her heart is going to Charlie's daughter. So she's going to die. They're talking about... Yeah, so Nick tells Jules. You're you're a liver, okay. And Jules is like, what? And he says, I am a Bartholomew. My last name's Nick Bartholomew. 
And my great 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 grandparents started this because they realized that in America there's something messed up. I think like there's 8,000 people just alone in the US that die waiting, waiting for transplants. And think about it some of those people are intelligent, some of them could have been surgeons, some of them could have been, you know, just life changing people, authors, screenwriters, you know, just. Wealthy people and they die because it's the same system for everyone. And so, we thought our family thought, you know, since we're a line of surgeons, we would open up this place and people, whenever they needed a transplant, they would buy overpriced apartment units and they would live there while they wait for an apartment sitter who's a match. And then we would do the surgery down here in the basement and then they would recover and then they would sell their apartment to another. Waiting, wealthy, sick person. Holy fuck. And don't you think it makes sense though, Jules? Because you don't really have anyone who's gonna miss you. You don't even have a job. But think about the people you're saving. Greta, she wrote one of the best books that ever existed. Marianne, all those movies she did, she could even do a comeback with your new liver. Charlie's daughter, I mean, she's much younger than you, so it makes sense, doesn't it, Jules? So, Dylan ended up dying, we find out, because Dr. Bernard, no, Dr. Leonard, or whatever the fuck, the senator who had a heart attack, he, you know, set his room on fire, the one that takes the stairs. Yes. He ended up getting Dylan's heart. Uh, and so she was like, I'm not gonna freaking die, okay? Like, I'm not gonna die. Uh, and so she ends up stealing a lighter from one of the nurses that she had met that wasn't like, it's, it's just complex, right? So she ends up stealing a lighter and she lights her bed, hospital bed blankets on fire. And all of a sudden, Dr. Wagner and the nurses run in. She locks the door behind them. She rushes out and she opens the door that's closest to her. And she sees Greta sitting there and she's about to scream. And she knows that if Greta screams, Leslie's going to come running in. Yeah. And so Greta stops and she says, okay, just go. And so Greta lets her go. And so she's oh. running with all of these bandages. I mean, it was a shit show. She finally made it to the lobby yeah. and she ran out of there. And she's like in a hospital gown coming out of an apartment building, like not a hospital. And she's got all these bandages that are now bleeding, you know, uh -huh. and she's getting woozy and all the civilians that are walking by in the middle of the day are like, what the fuck is going on? And it's in front of the Bartholomew. So they're all like, take pictures. Like, let's save her. Like, we're let's save her. Right. And so yeah. they're protecting her and all of the police come. They start just escorting everybody out, essentially. Everybody is getting caught. And all of a sudden, while she's watching from the cop car, they're still looking for Nick, Nick Bartholomew, the one that runs this place. And they see him on the roof and in front of everyone, including the police and all the spectators, just like his great-grandfather, he jumps off and he ends up killing himself. So she gets saved, taken to a real hospital. We later find out that Cornelia Swanson was the first transplant they ever did. So her servant was a match. They did an underground transplant and her servant was tossed out into Central Park, pretending to be just a brutal serial killer murder. And Cornelia got arrested anyway and she did not take well to the transfer. Because a lot of the times organ transfers, sometimes your body just rejects it. That's why she mysteriously died in jail. And ever since then, they have had about 127 apartment sitters. Oh my god. And allegedly in this book, some of the most famous politicians, internationally well-renowned CEOs, they have all resided at the Bartholomew at one point in their life. So the Bartholomew has never been an apartment. You never just go in to buy an apartment because you like the view. If you're buying an apartment at the Bartholomew, you know and they know that you're trying to get a transplant. 
So all of those people, one by one, were getting arrested, and Jules ended up finding a job at a nonprofit where she works to help other people that have been like kidnapped, abducted, you know, all that. Shit. And Ingrid is her best friend. Her and Chloe get along. I mean, it's a very happy ending at the end. What part did they take from her? Uh, one of her kidneys. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, they were about to take some other. Shit. Is that it? Yeah, that's the book. I think it's creepy because you you got to know this happens. I know that there's this article written about one of, is it a Kennedy or a Rockefeller? One of those families that I don't want to f*** with. But the dude has had like six heart transplants, and he looks like he's about to knock over tomorrow. And I'm like, how do you get six heart transplants? There's literally people that are in their 20s that can't even get one. And you, this 100-year-old man, you're on to your seventh already? I'm like, this, you know some shit's going down with that one. Like, which is crazy. But... Riddle me this. Let's say you have all the money in the world and your mom's dying. She's at the last of the transplant list because she's she's old. Would you go to the Bartholomew? To kill someone to save my mom? Yeah. Like, would you buy an apartment at the Bartholomew? No. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. I know. It's just so creepy. Okay, so this one, I feel like it's not really a... Was there a moment that's a big plot twist? No, right? It's like a slow burn. Yeah. And then, um, was there a moment that just kind of shocked you? Um, honestly, I was more shocked when she thought it was the cult being reborn. I was like, fork! I don't like shit oh. like this. I was like, no, Jules, no. Like, I find it hard to read because I don't find it as believable. Meanwhile, I'm like, um, goddess... <laughs> I don't know why. For some reason, I don't like to read it. Maybe just because yeah. it's, yeah. It's, it's like cheating. Or... Yeah. But then, like, the organ transplant was very weird. And when I was reading it, I did feel like maybe it was a little cheap. But then yeah. it gets you questioning afterwards. Because you're like, oh my god, the book is over. Like, maybe not the best plot twist. But then the more you sit there, you're like, you know this shit's gotta happen at least once or twice in real life. Or a lot of times. Like, that's when you're like... Hmm. The setup is really good. The, the setup, yeah. I feel like I'm watching a very good thriller. Yeah, like what happened? Yeah. I think, was it this? No, that was Silent Patient. I think both have had their movie rights sold already. I think this one has their movie rights sold as well. So we might be seeing movies of these, which I think would be very interesting. I think you will love the Silent Patient movie. I think so too. That's like right up your alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of a wife murdering her husband. Right up my alley. <laughs> now that the baking, a mystery is over. The mystery is over. Leave it in the comments. What are your thoughts oh, on this one? Right <laughs> these are strawberry faux nuts. They um, look very questionable. They're baked they donuts. Look like a, what, like a cake? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wow. Surprisingly delicious. Delicious? Mm hmm. It's nothing like a donut. Mm hmm. That's, That's why they're called fake donuts, faux nuts, because they're not fried. Hmm. That's delicious. It's good. The strawberries wow. are yummy. Oh, wow. It might be the best thing you ever baked. Bruh. Bruh. You ain't even seen what I got planned for next week's episode. Uh, bruh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Alright guys, that's it for today's video. Let me know in the comments. What are your thoughts on this one? Did you like it more like Silent Patient? Do you like books like these that are more of a slow burner ambiance? Or do you want some weird, twisted, psychological shit? Let me know. And if you guys have any book recommendations, also let me know. And for my Rotten Mango viewers, what's up, bits? I'll see you Wednesday. What the? That? that was my mating call to keep them alert. <laughs> uh